The message you're about listening to is from Pastor E.A. Adeboe, the General Overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Amen. Amen. Well, let's someone shout hallelujah. We are continuing with our study on going higher, part 52. That makes it exactly one year since we started our study of this series called Going Higher. And if you have been going higher in a class for a whole year, uh, that should give you a hint that we're about to get into some very deep waters. We are taking our text from 1 Kings chapter 19, from verse 9 to 14. 1 Kings chapter 19, from verse 9 to 14. And he came thither unto a cave, that is Elijah, came unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah had it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entry in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken their covenant thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Ah. Quite a lot to learn from this passage, and I pray that the Almighty God will anoint your ears and grant you the heart of understanding. If you notice in this passage, first of all, he says, the word came 
to Elijah. And then he says again, a voice came unto him. First, a word came to him. And then next, a voice came unto him. There was a word, and then there was the still, small voice. In John chapter 10, verse 27, John 10, verse 27, Jesus Christ said, My sheep hear my voice. But in John 13, from verse 21 to 30, John 13, from verse 21 to 30, when at the Last Supper, Jesus Christ says, someone is going to betray me. And the disciples were asking, is it I, is it I? And Jesus wasn't telling. And Peter beckoned to John, the beloved, and said, ask him, he will tell you. Jesus told John, but if you read that story, only John heard what Jesus Christ told him, that it is the fellow I'm going to give something into his mouth just now. After he did that one, he gave that uh, sop into to Judas Iscariot, and the Bible said, the Lord then told Judas Iscariot, what you, whatever you want to do, do it very quickly. And the Bible said everybody didn't know what God was saying or asking him to go and do because they didn't hear what the Lord said to John. In one of our Holy Ghost services, God said something to us. He said, all my sheep hear my voice, but very few hear my whisper. There's a difference between when I speak and when I whisper. I pray that because you have been with us on this journey thus far, learning to go higher day by day in the Lord, I pray that you'll be one of those who will begin to hear his whisper. Amen. But that's important. It's by the way. What is crucial for us to discuss really today is that the Lord asked Elijah the same question twice. In verse 9, he said, What dost thou hear, Elijah? Through the word. In verse 13, What dost thou hear, Elijah? Through the voice, through the whisper. Ah, and you all know very well, God is not a talkative. 
If he should be asking the same question twice, there should be something here. There's a meaning here. You see, when a teacher asks a question, it is not because the teacher does not know the answer. <laughs> After all, it is the Lord who sent an angel to go and feed Elijah and telling him to eat twice because the journey is far. It was God who said, go to Horeb. <laughs> we are going to have an appointment there. So if you sent me to Horeb, and you are now asking me, what am I doing here? Uh, as everybody knows, when a teacher asks a question, it's not that he doesn't know. He wants to hear what the student has to say. He wants to know how much you have learned. He wants to know whether you are ready for promotion or not. Usually when God asks you a question, it is a test, an examination. In John chapter 6, from verse 5 to 7, John 6, 5 to 7, the Bible said when Jesus saw the crowd, he turned to one of the disciples. He said, where are we going to find food now to feed these people? John chapter 6, from verse 5 to 7. But the Bible added it there. He said this to test him. For he himself knew what he was going to do. The teacher knows the answer. It's a test for the student. And you know what? John chapter 3 from verse 1 to 2, John 3 verse 1 to 2 tells us clearly Jesus was a teacher. When Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ by night, he said, Hey, there is, we know you are a teacher sent from God. That's what he called it. It will amaze you that throughout the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, they never really called him evangelist or preacher or pastor. Oh, apostle, they kept calling him teacher, teacher, teacher. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 20, from verse 14 to 16, John 20, 14 to 16, while others have been calling him rabbi, 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 someone who was very close to him didn't call him rabbi, he called him rabboni. You know the meaning of Rabboni? That's teacher of teachers. The one who teaches rabbi. <laughs> Everywhere Jesus went, he went teaching. Including by the seaside. Mark chapter 2 verse 13. Mark 2 verse 13. They didn't say he went to the seaside to hold a crusade. He went to teach. 
When God asks a question, it is not because he does not know the answer. For example, Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1 to 11. Genesis 3 from verse 1 to 11, you know the story. Uh, the fruit that he said they shouldn't eat, they've already eaten it, and several things followed. And yet when he came down, he said, Adam, where are thou? Adam and Eve were hiding behind a tree. <laughs> and he came down from heaven into the garden. He's the one who planted the tree. He saw where, where they were hiding, and yet he was asking the question, where are you? And when Adam said, uh, we had your voice, we were afraid because we were naked, he said, ah, who told you you were naked? As if he didn't know. He went ahead and said, have you eaten the food that I, the fruit I asked you not to eat? Didn't he know? In Genesis chapter 4, from verse 3 to 10, Genesis chapter 4, from verse 3 to 10, he said, I mean, you know the story of Cain and Abel. He asked a question. Cain, where is Abel? Didn't he know? And when Cain said, I don't know, he said, but his blood is crying to me. I already saw what you did. I know where you have buried him. I know you have shed his blood. Which brings me to a very serious point. How much does God know particularly about you? How much does he know? Acts chapter 15, verse 18. Acts 15, verse 18 says, Known unto God are all his works from the foundation of the earth. How much does he know? Everything that is going to happen before the foundations of the world, he knew. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, There is no such in his understanding. He knows so much, you can't even begin to imagine. Daniel chapter 2, from verse 20 to 22. Daniel chapter 2, from verse 20 to 22 says, One, he gives knowledge to those who have none. So, if you say you are a professor, every knowledge you have gotten, he gave to you. Not only that, he reveals deep and secret things. So, you are doing research. What you are searching for, he already knows it. And he's the one who can reveal it to you. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the dark. Everything in darkness. He knows it. Years ago, when uh, uh, 
scientists say they have discovered a camera that can see in the dark. I smiled. Take a good look at the eyes of the cat. It can see in the dark. Look at the eyes of the lion. It can see in the dark. What you are just discovering had been there all along. He knows what is in the dark. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 says, He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. Why? He is Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the one who is. Is the one who was, is the one who is to come. Where you are coming from, he knows it. Where you are going, he knows it. How much about you does he know? Psalm 139 from verse 1 to 6. Psalm 139 from verse 1 to 6. <laughs> who answer the questions for you. Uh, Saul, what's his name now? David said, when I'm sitting down, you know it. When I'm standing up, you, <laughs> you know it. That's why, for example, in Psalm 1 from verse 1 to 3, Psalm 1 from verse 1 to 3, when he was talking about the man who will be blessed, he talked about you're walking, you're standing, and you're sitting. Because he's monitoring every bit of it. He even know your thoughts. David says so. What I'm thinking about, you know it. In Mark chapter 2, from verse 1 to 12. Mark 2, from verse 1 to 12. He says... They brought in a boy, four boys brought in a, a man who was paralyzed from neck downwards through the roof. And then he, he, he saw their faith and said, uh, okay, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Mark chapter 2 from verse 1 to 12. And the people were thinking in their hearts. Who is this man blaspheming, claiming that he has power to forgive sins? They didn't say it out, but he had. Which is why you should watch what you are thinking, watch your thoughts, because he knows it all. He knows everything you say, including your jokes. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Matthew 12, verse 36. He says, every idle word that a man shall speak, every, every idle word that a man shall speak, he will give an account on the day of judgment. If I were you, I'd be careful what I say. Because everything you are saying is being recorded. Before you were born, he knew you. 
Jeremiah chapter 1 from verse 4 to 5. Jeremiah 1, 4 to 5, he said, Before I formed thee, I knew thee. Where you are supposed to end, he knows it. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. He said, I know the thought that I think towards you. Thought of good, not of evil. So that you have an expected, expected end. There is an end that I have planned for you. And some people call it destiny. He knows what you have done. I'm sure you don't like that. Those things you are trying to hide from him, <laughs> he's aware of them. Acts of the Apostle, chapter 5, from verse 1 to 11. Acts 5, from verse 1 to 11. Well, your husband and wife sold a piece of property and decided to keep part of the money aside and then brought the remainder to the, the, to the apostles. And the apostle says, Sir, is this all the money? Peter wasn't quarreling that they brought less than all. He was worried that they lied. Because he said later on, he said, sir, before you sold the land, it was yours. Nobody compared you. Why have you come to lie to the Holy Spirit? What you have done? He knows. What you are doing... He knows. Second Kings chapter 5, from verse 20 to 27. 2 Kings 5, 20 to 27. When Gehazi decided to run after Naaman to collect some money, Elisha didn't leave the house, but he saw everything that was going on. When he asked Gehazi, where have you been? He said, I've been nowhere. He said, ha. My eyes was following you. I saw the general turning in his chariot to come and meet you. I saw everything. And I saw what you are even thinking on your way back, that I'm going to use part of this money to buy vineyard, to buy olivia. Uh, he said, is this the time? He knows what you are doing. He knows what you are going to do. Tomorrow, <laughs> that we have not even done yet. He knows. Let, let, let me give you one example on that one. Consider Genesis chapter 22, from verse 1 to 14. Genesis 22, from verse 1 to 14. The Bible says, God gave Abraham a test. He said to him, that your son, Isaac, the one you love, eh, go and offer him as a sacrifice to me on the mountain. God knew Abraham will obey. So how do you know? Oh. When Abraham got to the mountain and tied his son and was about to kill him, God said, hey, don't do it. Um, turn back and see. And he turned. And the Bible said there was a ram on the mountain caught in the ticket. His son was there. And what is the ram doing on the mountain? 
There were no other sheep there, no shepherd there. Who put the ram there? <laughs> and that ram was there strategically waiting because God knew Abraham was going to obey him. He knew what you will do. Which explains Romans chapter 9 from verse 10 to 14. Romans 9, 10 to 14. The Bible says, before Esau and Jacob were born, God had already said, I love Jacob, I hate Esau. And people say, ah, how can that be fair? They were not yet born. They haven't done good or evil. And God knew in advance. He knew what was going to happen in Genesis 25 from verse 29 to 34. Genesis 25 from verse 29 to 34. He knew, <laughs> he knew there's somebody that is coming to the world that is going to love his stomach more than his birthright. No use trying to hide from him. Because in Psalm 139 from verse 7 to 12, Psalm 139 from verse 7 to 12, David said, where can I hide from you? I go to the mountain top, you are there. I go to the bottom of the ocean, you are there. If I say darkness will cover me, darkness is light unto thee. This has been there since the days the Bibles were written. So you have discovered a lens that can see in the dark. Darkness had never been darkness to God. Never. You can run from him, but you can't hide. You don't believe me? Ask Jonah. He sent Jonah on an errand. Jonah said, I'm not going that direction. You can read it. Jonah chapter 1. From verse 1 to the end. God asked him to go east. He said, I will run to the west. God said, fine. I know that's where you are going. <laughs> I will prepare a fish big enough to swallow you. Waiting for you. He knows. He knows everything. You can't run from him. But I have good news for you. And I'm saying this one in conclusion. Because he knows everything. You can say, ah, so in that case, my future is already fixed. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to end up whichever way he wants me to end. No, no, no. Daniel chapter 2, from verse 20 to 21, says something beautiful. Daniel 2, from verse 20 to 21, he says, he changes times. He can rearrange your future. Oh, don't forget he's supreme. He is the almighty. He does as he pleases. He can rearrange your future. You can see end very well. As a matter of fact, the fact that you are alive today Listening to this particular sermon means there is hope for you to end well. 
Consider Luke chapter 23 from verse 39 to 43. Luke 23 from verse 39 to 43. There was this thief on the cross. Already on the way to hell. Hell was already waiting for him. But he turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. While the other thief was uh, railing at him, he said, I know I deserve to die. I deserve to go to hell. I've done evil. But please remember me in your kingdom. Jesus Christ said, fine. I snatch you out of the mouth of hell. Listen to me, brother. Listen to me, sister. You can cry to God today and you can rearrange your future. And you who have not yet given your life to him because you are alive and it's not by accident that you are hearing this sermon. You can cry to him and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Save my soul. I will do your will. Don't let me go to hell. And he will answer you. He has enough power to do so. So if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, wherever you are now, if you bow your head and cry to him, and say, my future is in your hand, I know. I want my future to be okay. Save my soul, and I will serve you for the rest of my life. He will do so. Bow your head, and I will pray with you right now. If you will call on him for salvation, he will answer you. And so, my Father and my God, I want to bless your holy name. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for all those who are crying to you now for salvation. Those who are saying, Lord, take over my life from now on and control everything. Forgive my sins. Father, please answer them. Let your blood wash away their sins. Give them a brand new beginning, Lord, and let their future be all right. And please, Lord, all your children who are also crying to you today, Lord, say, hey, Please, Lord, take over and rearrange my future so that it, I can end well. Please answer us all. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Please join us on this same station at this time for another wonderful experience as Pastor E.A. Adeboye exposes the deep mysteries in the Word of God.